Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 193 of Sack King's Therapy. Um, sorry for kind of, I guess, posting a little bit later in the week. Uh, there's just been scheduling conflicts and also kind of real life kind of got in the way that there's been scheduling conflicts. So um, just, yeah, so sorry for not posting, you know, midweek just to bring you some more content. But, um, you know, again, the what's called the stars did not aligned, the times did not align, the content didn't really align either. So I just, we just felt it was better to just come at you later in the week. And we have, we're going to switch it up a little bit this time around where you don't have a draft. Um, we don't have any draft people to go through. Instead, this week, I decided to just focus more on, on the Kings and specifically more on a King. He's been basically a fan favorite since he's been here because of his tenaciousness, his, de- his defense, his demeanor. Like, there's not really anything bad you can say about him. And that's Davion Mitchell. Now, he, he was a controversial pick at the time, but we we slowly, well, we quickly actually fell in love with Davion Mitchell. And, you know, let, let, let's talk about him. And, you know, he did kind of a, a bit of a media tour, if you will. He was on Deuce and Moe. Um, and also he released his Trust Your Work. Well, he released the first episode a few weeks back, but like he just released episode two. So, you know, he's kind of been within like the Kings of Circle, I feel. So that's going to be the main topic for today. It's going to be about Davion Mitchell. And of course, always with me. Uh, sorry for making you wait as long as you have to introduce yourself. It is fall. Hello. Yes. Uh, so Davion Mitchell. Uh, full disclaimer, I was not a fan when he was picked. Like the king, the I wanted a wing. I wanted a guy that was six five and above, because you know this issue still has not really been addressed. The Kings need wings, and the, and like I just thought the draft would be the perfect place to you know address that. And when Moses Moody actually fell to nine, I was like, that's the guy. It, it's either gonna be him or James Booknight. We need a wing. We need a wing, and we need a wing. And then it said Davion Mitchell and. I love Davion in the up all the way up to the draft. Like he was, you know, a tenacious defender, a pain in the ass, you know, a good creator, like you know, a guy that can make shots, uh, has the potential to be a really good passer, an incredible defender. But there was just one problem, and that because I watch wrestling, there's always going to be an inner Vince McMahon in me because I just said he's too damn small. <laughs> and that has not changed. He is still very, very small, but he's been great. He is a lockdown defender and a guy that works hard as hell and has a lot of potential to grow despite his age. So we, I, like the rest of King's Twitter, has fallen in love with this kid. And yeah, I, you know what? Would I do it? Would I change things looking back? Maybe not, actually. It's gotten to that point for me. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, uh, like we said recently, I mean, there's just a abundance of wings that we could get during the off season, whether it's not, it's from the draft or, you know, from uh, signing trades or whatnot. But yeah, from the draft until now, I mean, man, I I didn't expect to like this guy even more, especially after uh, listening to him from on Deuce and Mo and watching his uh, Trust Your Work documentary. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm liking this guy even. Or respect them even more and more the day, uh, you know, the day on. Ah, geez, I don't even know what to say about him. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the character of the kid and like, you know, he, he, well, at least he doesn't say much usually, actually. So, like, there's nothing to hate him for. Uh, so, yeah, he's, 
and you you listen to like his profile like what what his coaches say about him he kind of fits the mold of a sacramento player in a way kind of like a quiet guy who doesn't really love the big you know the big cities kind of just sticks to basketball as a you know a gym rat like sacramento like let's be honest not a glamour city by any means it's a small market team and honestly, if you come here, you better focus on basketball because there isn't all that much to do out here, as a lot of people have said, and you know, they're not wrong. So like, you know, you're, you come here, you're coming here to play basketball. You ain't going out to nightclubs. You ain't going out to party, right? It, that's just how it is. And you know, it just seems like a great fit for, you know, if the more you look into it, if you will, you know, him on the teams. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about his appearance on Deuce and Mo first. Um, I I won't go through like play by play about what the entire interview is about, but I just thought like there were some very interesting things uh, during the interview. Deuce and Mo are great. Like they're they're probably the best like Sacramento podcast like in the area, and like they cover the um, the like the <clears throat> the league nationally and also like other sports like football. If you're a 49er person, mm-hmm. like they're they're great and they're. Because of like, you know, them working for the Kings, like at, I think, yeah, Deuce does radio and Morgan does NBC. Like they have connections to players and like, they, you know, they they keep it really professional, but also like they're really in tune with the Kings community. And yeah, they're a great listen. So if you don't listen to Deuce and Mo, do listen to Deuce and Mo. And of course, still listen to us as well. If you're listening for some reason, listening, if you're listening to us and somehow don't know about Deuce and Mo, like go check out Deuce and Mo. But, um, one of the big takeaways I have from Davion, and we'll get into a little bit more during like his uh, Trust Your Work documentary. Um, Davion works twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And, you know, he lifts in the morning and then at night he just does a ton, a ton of shooting. And, you know, he, he is, you know, again, like he is a guy that doesn't get distracted by the other stuff that, you know, a lot of young NBA players do partying, you know going to clubs and stuff no he's all about he's all about basketball and yeah it's again perfect fit for this kind of city yeah i mean him working out every day i'm surprised that he doesn't even get that much rest and when he does get some rest i mean he's just thinking about more basketball too so man this guy i don't know (laughs) he's like the pure definition of a gym rat yeah, and like when he's not, you know, working out, like he'll be he'll be doing some like other stuff, like going out to eat and stuff like that. But in between, he's watching film all the damn time. But like there, he does not step away from basketball. And like you know, not not to say I'm a gym rat by any means, but like I I used to go to the gym a lot and try and get shots up. And uh, yeah, that shit puts a strain on your body <laughs> because I I have uh, suffered a shoulder injury um, because of it. And yeah, so like, you know, all the credit in the world to him for staying healthy and just working as hard as he he is. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to imagine that he doesn't work out too hard in terms of, uh, you know, lifting weights because you don't want to get, you know, any injuries. But, uh, you know, just working out and also shooting on the same day, I mean, to a normal person, it doesn't feel right (laughs) from my personal experience. And like James Ham had talked about it, like people behind the scenes have basically said like they need to actually like lock him outside of the gym. I know it's a very like cheesy thing to say, oh, like this guy just works so hard, but like he 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 legitimately works too damn hard. 
Like he works, he he used to do, I think some of his shootings, his workouts during game days. And I remember like in the California Classic, like it was the first game, he, I think he cramped up. It was, it was one, either the first or the second game. He ended up cramping up because the, the morning before he was working out. And yeah, it caused cramps. And ever since then, you just keep hearing stories of like, you know, they, this guy just works too damn hard. And there's, you know, you want a guy to work too hard than a guy that doesn't work at all. So I, I get it. But at the same time, like James Hamm has mentioned it, he needs to chill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, a guy who, you know, loves the sport and, you know, wants to win because he has that, you know, winning mentality. I mean, it doesn't hurt too much, I feel. Yeah, but at a certain point, like, I think he's actually crossed that threshold where you're working too damn hard because, like, NBA players, like, NBA reporters, they see this kind of stuff and, like, they just, and, like, they, everybody in the NBA works hard to a certain degree. The fact that they're actually saying, like, oh, this guy works too damn hard, it, it, there's something there is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. he's going to need to chill. Mm-hmm. I see. But again, you want a guy to be working too hard than to not be working at all. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have, as I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, on the on the episode, on the interview, he also showed a great amount of like self-awareness in terms of the defense. We love his on-ball defense. He is a legit lockdown defender. Now, if only the backside defense was a little better, the team defense was a little better, it would show more. But he is definitely a lockdown defender. And his on-ball defense, like, is, is you know, top-notch. However, I I predicted it was going to be a problem. Uh, like, I remember at the beginning of the season, like, you know, people were talking about how he's going to lock up Steph Curry. And I never thought that was going to be the case because Steph Curry walk, works off ball half the time. And like on ball, like Davion should be fine, but like off ball, that's going to be a problem. And, you know, Davion showed a lot of self-awareness and just basically just just admitted that he's not great on on ball, on ball defense because it's a whole new type of defense that, you know, that's basically will only improve with experience and, you know, great self-awareness from him to know that he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with his worth ethic, I'm pretty sure he's going to develop some sort of, you know, good off-ball defense. I mean, he explains during his uh, interview with Tucson Mo that, yeah, he he cannot guard Steph well when he does off-ball offense. So, I mean, coming with uh, experience, he's definitely going to, you know, improve on that. And, I mean, he's probably going to guard most people, I want to say, on the ball uh, in terms of, you know, guys that do on-ball offense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, that's why I want him to start. Just cause, so, like, granted, I don't think it's a great solution, but, like, put, put like, De'Aaron on the off-ball guy, just because, like, at least at least you would assume De'Aaron's off-ball defense is a little better just because of the experience factor. But, like, Davion's strength is on-ball, and him flush, just, you know, clamping down on the guy handling the ball, like, that has, that has an effect. And, you know... I, I like we'll see what happens during like a- after the draft and the offseason but like there is a universe where I think them two starting together would be a great like you know backcourt yeah I could see that we'll just uh, have to see <laughs> we'll just have to see well right now we just don't know like are mm. we going to use the draft pick are we not like there's a lot of smoke screens going on is Jay Nivey going to s- slide into number two and then one of Paolo and Chet might slip to us maybe or do the king straight up? 
or they can just trade down or just straight up trade it for a player. Like there's just so many possibilities. And right now it's, it's just silly to kind of try and predict. But again, I really want to see this backwards starting. I don't think they started during the season. They might have, but, but like I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, they might have, but maybe during the season we'll see some experimental lineups. Hopefully, uh, not too much, like to a point where you know how we had with Luke, <laughs> just switching up lineups almost every other night. But uh, I'm pretty sure we'll see some sort of, uh, I guess, permanent lineup when the season comes. So Davion also uh, mentioned that he ha- he's already talked to Mike Brown on the phone. I believe he said he called him like right after he got hired. And that he's excited to learn from Mike, Mike Brown. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. It's just uh, a little too bad that, you know, Mike Brown has other duties in terms of, you know, winning the championship with the Warriors. So uh, hopefully when... Uh, or are the... they going to win it? <laughs> uh, we'll we'll uh-huh. talk about it when <laughs> when we talk about the Warriors versus Celtics. But uh, I guess when the finals do end, uh, pretty excited to see what Mike Brown uh, comes to uh, bring on the table for this team because... It'd be pretty interesting since he has that defensive mindset for us. Interesting uh, tidbit about Mike Brown. This is, I guess, a little bit off topic, but Sean Cunningham uh, went basically covers the Warriors right now since the King season is over. And he had a chance to talk to a few NBA people down in like down in Golden State and also just like the national media just because, you know, it's the finals. Like everybody is covering the finals right now. So he got a chance to talk to a lot of people and a lot of the a lot of the NBA people, the national people like the bright Mike Brown hire. Mm, OK, take, take that for take that for what you will. It's probably a good sign that, you know, the Kings, you know, the Kings seem to have made the right move. Mm hmm. Out of all the coaches that we could have Patrick on, or is it just uh, well, the, it's just that they thought Mike Brown was a good hire. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's good, thumbs up, right? Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. It, it, it might not mean anything, it, it might mean something, who knows? But like, you know, the rest of the league approves, take that for what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brunson, so um, Davion mentioned that the hardest people for him to guard are Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell and also Jordan Poole as well. Basically, he he hates guarding guys that are quote unquote skinny, like guys that can kind of slip by you. And, you know, Donovan and Donovan and Jalen are like skinny dudes per se. They're they're like built like trucks, like for their size. But like they're very tricky in the in the way they score, like especially a guy like Jalen Brunson, who you know loves to loves to use footwork and spins and stuff like that. But yeah, that's one on ball assign one kind of on ball assignment that Davion says he doesn't love guarding is just those skinny dudes, those tricky dudes, and yeah, basically shorter dudes in a way. It's kind of which is kind of weird. Yeah, but he loves the challenge, like he said in the interview. Like he loves the challenge. He likes guarding whoever he guards, and I'm pretty sure eventually he'll, <laughs> with all the film he watches. Jesus, I mean, he, he's probably gonna get some sort of information from the film to you know understand how to guard these guys. Uh, just speaking from personal experience, like I'm not I'm not a very tall dude. I'm about five five two on a good day. Yes, very short. I hate guarding other short dudes. You know why? Because they usually can handle the ball and are quick as shit. It is not easy. It's not easy to guard. 
It's actually more fun to guard a guy that's a teeny bit taller, God, can't do anything. Um, but yeah, so I, I can feel Davion's pain on that. Like I have, I have, you know, just because just of the size difference, you know, in pickup basketball, you guard the dude who's your size. And guys my size usually can handle the ball really well, can shoot and can dribble. It is a fucking nightmare to guard those little dudes. And that's a, that's what I assume like guys like Jalen Brunson and Donovan kind of are. And of course, like a Jordan Poole who has a crazy quick first step and also can shoot. So again, Davion, I feel I feel your pain on those on those guys. Um, as you, so apparently, so apparently this was an interesting tidbit that I got. Um, so when talking about Sabonis, uh, Davion basically mentioned that he loves playing with Sabonis because. Basically, he gets the offense to move in a way, and like there's a lot more flow and a lot less five-out offense. Now we have com- we had complained the entire season that we hated the Kings' offense sometimes because it's five guys or it's like four guys standing around. Maybe the maybe like one guy comes to screen for one guy who's handling the ball, and the ball never moves around. And we that is the five-out offense. That is how it was designed, and it drove us crazy. At, at points but when Sabonis came you now had a guy in the high post that basically essentially has the offense run through him and there's movement it's beautiful and it's apparently what Davion likes to play with nope no surprise there and yeah I just thought it was an interesting tidbit that you know not Davion was not a fan of the five out offense and he had, he really liked liked it when Sabonis came to this team Mm, I mean, come on. That first half of the season before Sabonis came was god-awful offense <laughs> in many, many, many ways. The, just having one guy just create something out of all the potential guys that we could have created off of, I mean, it wasn't beautiful at all. Like, if we're going to run the five-out offense again, we'll get to them again. We'll get to them more into detail later. But, like, I'm just looking at what the Boston's doing. Like they're still running five out offense for the most part, but they have certain guys in certain positions, like be able to make plays. And of course they do have better players. Like, let's not discount that. But like, cause like their offense was actually very similar to ours for, you know, quite some time. And they've been able to kind of break out of that. And I, I want to, I'll probably make more observations on the next Warriors and Celtics game, but like there is a way to make five out offense work. The Kings just were not able to do it, unfortunately. And getting Sabonis was such a godsend. And I, again, I, you know, a, another full disclosure, was not a fan of the uh, Sabonis trade at first. But that first game against the Timberwolves, you know, a euphoric experience. And I did a complete 180 after that. Oh, yeah. I actually rewatched the highlights for that game the other day. And it always makes, it brings a tear to my eye every time I see that. I think that was Davion's first dunk of the season too. I, that that yeah. one fast break because like he tried yeah. to dunk on Joe Ingles and almost almost died basically because like his head was about to fall. He was about to head fall head first into the floor too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like that was the only other dunk attempt that I could think of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was one the only. Wait, I mean it's <laughs> it's the biggest one too. That fourth quarter run was uh, one of the most beautiful in this whole season. And like the thing was like if they still reverted back to the bad bad version of the offense during the, during like the end of quarters, but like even to start the quarter, you got a Chimezi meant to dunk and like literally like Sabonis comes in and immediately infects the team with his ball movement and just passing. 
again, was not a fan of the trade at first, but like, man, I didn't know Sabonis was this good. Yeah, like you said, it unlocked our offense like we have never seen before. And very excited for next season to see, uh, you know, that type of offense, uh, you know, flourish. Yeah, and again, we'll see what pieces the Kings add. And like, the Kings are at a, in, in just the most interesting position in a while in that they have things that they can trade. And like, let's see if they, they basically have to play their cards right. You have a good hand. But it's going to be very tricky to like what is going to be the best way to play it, if you will. Like if you play, if you like, for those of you that play cards, for those of you that play 13, you have essentially like a high two, if that makes any sense. You have a nice two. And if you play it right, you can absolutely, you can absolutely win this round, if you will. Uh, But you have to play your cards right. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, this was just funny to me. This was not really about Davion, but uh, Morgan Reagan said one of the tricks to just screw with people back in, was it uh, junior college when she was on the team? She pinched the other lady's back fat. <laughs> just, to kind of, just to kind of mess with people. I thought that was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Uh, I don't know about nowadays, like especially in the NBA. Will the rest even call? Well, well, well no, like well, you can't do it in the NBA. Like, not to throw shade at anyone. Those dudes don't have back fat. These dudes have like 5% body fat at best. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially if you're on the heat, they measure that shit. You better show up in shape. You don't show, you have like, you have, you have back fat for them to pinch. You're not playing straight up. So like, I, I, this is not, I just thought it was funny. Uh, I, but yeah, you're not doing this. It might, it might be a trick that I might do in pickup just to fuck with people. But <laughs> I just thought, I just thought it was really funny. Uh, just that's a, like, that's, that's a, that's a really, in the, in the certain context, that, that's mind games. That's some, that's some evil shit, if you will. Yeah. Luckily, we don't have to experience that, but. No, I, 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 I kind of reminds me of some experiences we had with pickup games, but we're not going to go over that. We'll talk uh, about it off air. You had another just pickup thing that, like, I've, I play with some dudes who throw some elbows, <laughs> throw some elbows at me. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should get back at them by pinching their ass or again pinching some back fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so last thing I want to talk about the interview. This was really interesting to me. So, so when asked about the Kings' 16-year drought, about the 16, yeah, 16 years, it's gonna, mm-hmm. it might go on to 17. Like, like the idea of like that weighing him down. What and what? How does it feel to be essentially kind of the record setter and like to carry this burden on him? And Davion responded by saying he's used to droughts. His high school, I did not write down the name, uh, sorry. But like his high school apparently did not make the state, like had not made the state championship in like forever. And then like, you know, he was he attended it and got them to a state championship. Baylor had been kind of struggling for a while. Like, what, do you remember if Gordon Hayward was Baylor? Uh, I'm gonna have to search that up. I, I don't he was either like... he was either BYU or Baylor. I, yeah, search that up for me. Uh, I'll talk. But like, is so Baylor apparently had been struggling through a, another a kind of a tournament drought of their own, and like you know him, you know he goes to Baylor. He transfers some transfers from Auburn, and like he's able to like slowly bring them back to prominence, and like. 
you know, he's the fact that he said he's he's used to this kind of stuff and that he's very excited to be able to be part of the solution that you know brings the Kings back to the back to being a playoff team. Like again, just he's again. I was not a fan of the pick at the time, but like personality wise, demeanor wise, like he's a perfect fit for Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a competitor, and <laughs> I mean. After his win in uh, was it the summer league? I mean, he he expected a lot <laughs> coming into coming to the season, and we expected a lot too. But it's just uh, you know NBA works differently, and you know we just gotta get those pieces aligned. Uh, but uh, going back to the Gordon Hayward, it's he went to Butler. Butler, Jesus, somebody somebody B and then Lur. Okay, so it's not Baylor. But yes, apparently they have been been through a drought. And I did not know that, actually. For some reason, I thought they were a prominent team. I might have been thinking of Butler. That might be why. Mm, I see. Yeah, so. Okay, so that's all we have for the interview. We'll quickly talk about the Trust Your Work um, documentary. So I, uh, again, I'll just go through some notes that I have. Davion without the brace looks kind of weird. Him with the fro. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, he he usually wears um what you call it uh, braids, uh, but uh, I mean, he could rock it if he had that. Like, I guess De'Aaron look back uh, when uh, he came to Sacramento. He's gonna need to trim that thing a little bit. That thing looked kind of messy. Like I've only seen it once. Like I remember there was a uh, what's it called like it was right before the season there was like a it was like a practice and like he didn't he had that hair and that was like the only time i remember like seeing him with just basically a fro so i thought that was interesting i i, I was so surprised it was him because like i was just looking at him I was like that is his face but that's not his hair and it just looked weird to me yeah actually die was like one of his friends or you know maybe his agent but no it's it's him <laughs> yeah definitely was him it was also weird to see him talking a lot of trash, if you will, just like constantly talking because like, you know, for the most part in the media, he's very quiet. Mm-hmm. Like Sean Cunningham even mentioned it, like, you know, the, in what is a eerie interview now, but like he, he interviewed uh, Tyrese and Davion right before tr- Tyrese got traded. And like, apparently like, you know, Davion was like really talkative during that interview. And apparently Sean had said like, that was like the first time he really heard Davion really talk, if you will, because before that he would just, he would be, you know, on press conference and he would just basically give very simple answers, very vanilla answers. You, you didn't get to see much of his personality, but yeah. So watching this documentary, you see a little bit of kind of, I guess the more fun side of Davion, if you will, the more competitive side. Yeah. And you know, that's what he's trying to aim for with this documentary where he kind of shows the outside of work. Um, which I'm gonna call a part of him because I mean, for all we know, we we knew him more of a gym rat, but he went to show his, uh, you know, that he does this or that. He goes out to eat, he, you know, hangs out with his friends, keeps his uh, friends close. And uh, I mean, his, him seeing that, yeah, I was kind of shocked that he talked more than 10 words in a sentence. Yeah, just a, just kind of a, a little bit of a change. Like I always expect him to have a sort of personality, but like again, you, you just don't. You just ne- we just never saw it really. Like it, like he doesn't show much emotion on the court. He doesn't really show much again in the press conference. So like we have nothing to go off of. But again, it's kind of showing with a more human side of him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we mentioned this earlier. He studies a lot of film. He watches a lot of his workouts to kind of like, you know, get to like basically just analyze the film and like see what he's doing right, see what he's doing wrong. And, you know, like it, it's it's encouraging to, to watch that. A guy that, you know, studies the game, studies like his own game so well, like that's that's kind of how he becomes so aware of his flaws and what he needs to work on. And like the sky's, I don't want to say the sky's the limit for him, but like he's going to be like a, a terrific player in the years to come. Oh yeah, it's crazy how much film he watches. I mean, after workouts, he's watching film uh, at night, like, I remember it was like they were saying that it was like two in the morning. He's watching film, and then literally the next morning he's already up watching film. Like I never the, did that for my classes at, in college. Like I'm, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, but you know it's something that he enjoys, and this is his you know whole career, and he loves this career. He's all about basketball. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you know for our careers when it came to you know college in that way, but. This, I mean, he loves this uh, sport so much that he would watch his own workouts to, you know, improve on himself. I mean, like, I mean, even like where he was watching film, that looks like, you know, a dorm room, if you will. Like a little mm -hmm. ass table, like a little, a little table, just like watching film. It looks like he was straight up studying for like an exam. Like that's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. Like he, he, he is about that life. Now I was never about that life, so I can't really relate, but you know, it, it's incredible to see the dedication he has to his craft. And, you know, as part of it, like, he never partied. He never really lived a college life. It's just something that, you know, as he said, he didn't really interest him. So, like, he just, he's all about, he's all about basketball. And I love that about that. I love that about him. Yeah. And like you said, perfect city for it, for it too. Just all about basketball, not much parties going around around in Sacramento. Okay. So, another kind of interesting tidbit, like, Apparently, like, he had a really disappointing season at Auburn. I'll be honest, did not really research that part. Like, I only really researched his, like, last season uh, at, at Baylor before he mm -hmm. came came to the NBA. Like, apparently he had a very disappointing season at Auburn, and apparently no one – he decided to transfer afterwards because I I think I've read somewhere, like, that he – it was part of it. Part of it was like no one would open the gym for him like really early in the morning. And apparently Baylor was one of the places that actually opened the gym early. So that's why one of the reasons why I picked Auburn. But according to him, like no other college really wanted him. And Baylor just decided to swoop in. They had a need for him and like they were going to let him play his game. And ultimately he decided to go to Baylor and, you know, the rest is history. Well, yeah. And he also mentioned that he had an interview with I believe St. John's University, right? Correct. Yeah, that was one of the names. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he had an interview, but they were like, like I said, swooped in, and before he could even interview or you know uh, go to the interview for St. John's, he interviewed uh, Baylor first, and he just accepted it right there too. I mean, again, I guess like everything, like they managed to kind of just fill his needs, and yeah, they they did a great pitch. It basically was a free agency pitch, if you will. Mm -hmm. Let's hope let's hope he doesn't get in trouble with some of the, you know, NCAA rules in the future. But like, you know, it's a great story of a guy that, you know, had a chip on his shoulders, just worked his way up. And here he is in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Uh, la last few notes. Uh, apparently, Davion has been training 
like constantly working out and apparently training at Baylor a lot ever since the season ended. It, it actually, they actually showed him like watching the NBA playoffs and of course watching film along the way as well. Like he's been working out like every single day it almost seems like. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Baylor uh, allowed him back in just to work out in their facilities. And, you know, looking at the documentary, I mean, they, they provide a lot for him in terms of, you know, food, uh, you know, the training facility itself. And, I mean, he, he loves it there. He mentions that, uh, whatchamacallit, he wanted something similar, like a place to live in similar after, you know, retiring something to the like kind of a place in what what was it waco texas that's where baylor was yeah like it's it's yeah i I think that's the place i I didn't know it was in texas i thought it was uh, more the south or something but like i'm look so i just looked up just like the baylor players there there aren't a lot so like you have jared butler on the jazz you have davion force you have royce o'neill on the jazz interesting torian Mm. prince and ishmael wainwright i'm not too sure who that is but like Davion, like he wasn't a one and done. So like he he actually spent three years at Baylor and you know won them a national championship. So he kind of is a hero around there. He's a very famous athlete. Not a big basketball program, I don't believe. I, as I just read through, not in like not not a. It, it's not Kentucky. It's not Duke. So like they they don't have a lot of like NBA players and like honorary players. And so, like, you know, it makes sense that, like, they're treating Davion well. Like, he's one of their biggest success stories from that college. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. th- that's why I would say, like, they let him use use the facility. Yeah. He, he probably has a lifetime, uh, what you would call it, membership for that facility, too. And, and again, one of the reasons that I read was that he, want, he went to Baylor because of their gym policy. They open really early, so... Yeah, <laughs> and closed really late. Like he's he's there like from day to night. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a pretty nice campus. Like they, he was running like you know sprints uphill like at night. So like it seems like a pretty like nice area too. So mm-hmm. uh, he basically does two workouts a day. One at like I believe nine a.m. and then another one at seven p.m. That doesn't leave till like ten. So yeah, again, gym rat, just all about basketball. Oh yeah. And last note I have is that him and his crew have been together since they were young and, you know, they take care of each other. Like, you know, in the documentary, I I don't have their names with me, but like they're like three of them are like his childhood friends and then a trainer. Like he runs a pretty tight, tight knit group. It seems like it, you know, it's good to see that he takes care of his people too. Yeah. It's nice to see, uh, because, you know, usually when I think about NBA players, they would or, you know, usual NBA players, it feels like they would have a, I don't know how to call them. I guess a very niche group or a very common, like, personality type group. But with this kind of group, like, they really support him. They are there for him every single day. They play with him and help him train, too. So that's another plus. And, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see that he's, uh, you know, just enjoying life in terms of... Uh, I guess playing basketball pretty much every every single day. I mean, it must be so nice to have a crew like that. God forbid uh-huh. I don't. God forbid I don't have one like that. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't get you to wake up at twelve. So, and I go and I go at seven. So, yeah, just yeah. one 
I wish I had a crew like that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I also forgot to mention back in the Deuce and Mo, uh, whatchamacallit podcast, that he's already at the Sacramento Kings uh, gym at that point. So right after, you know, his Trust Your Work uh, documentary where he was training in Waco, he's already back in Sacramento uh, working out at the gym. And on the day that they recorded was Memorial Day and he's still at the gym. So he's not celebrating, you know, Memorial Day, uh, you know, traditionally like uh, most Americans do, but he's already at the gym just doing uh, what you might call it. Well, maybe he is. Maybe he is celebrating. He's celebrating the, you know, the the, the memories of the soldiers by working out in their honor, like, mm. you know, real like real basketball players do, because okay. that's just how Davion is built. Yeah, I kind of want to know like who else is uh, in the gym with him. Uh, I've heard that like Doug is going around training with people. Apparently, like I, I think it was Davion. James Ham mentioned like he was Doug was working with Davion in Napa. Oh, really? Napa of all places, huh? Yeah, you know, after a workout, get some, get a few drinks in, like, and then for somehow work out like later in the day. I don't know how that's gonna work. I think he's working with Sabonis too. Sabonis is, I think, in the area. Hmm. Or okay. he's in LA because like his wife is from LA, so or mm. so- Southern California. I'm not sure specifically LA, but somewhere in SoCal. Mm. So that's pretty interesting. They're around. The only one I haven't heard much mention is De'Aaron, but like De'Aaron keeps his life private, so like it's hard to it's hard to really know like where he is. But guys are around, and like summer league is gonna come up soon, like after the finals. So like guys are kind of ramping up. Like they'll probably be at summer league together. Yeah, let's see if we win another summer league championship. <laughs> All right, is it going to be with Jade and Ivy, or is it going to be with Shade and Sharp? Is it going to be with Chet Holmgren? Paola? And Jabari is the only guy that I do not ever see fall into the Kings, unfortunately. But like, you know, one can hope. Yeah, we'll never know until you know the draft comes around. Okay. All right. So let's move on to our, I guess, seventh to- second topic, uh, since we talk mostly about Davion. It's uh, the Warriors versus the Celtics. Um, yeah. So we both predicted the Warriors to win. I said five games, you said six games. Uh, the Warriors end up getting absolutely destroyed in the fourth quarter by the Celtics because the Celtics forgot how to miss. I, I, I don't have the stat in front of me. Let me just pull it up real quick. Should have had this up. Why didn't I have this up? Why did you remind me to have this up? Yeah, I don't it's know. Your, it's your fault. <laughs> I don't let know, me, but... Let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They made nine. No, they made they made eight threes in the fourth. There, there was one that was a two. Ended up being a two. Uh, foot on the line. But yes, they, they forgot how to miss in the fourth and the Warriors couldn't buy a bucket and so yeah now the series is 0 for 1 uh, with the um, Celtics leading 1-0 does that change your prediction at all do you are you gonna change your prediction to the Celtics winning this series no I still think Warriors in six <laughs> so ultimately I guess I guess I should ask you this question first, but should the Warriors be concerned at all, like with just how game one went? I mean, I remember thinking that I would be concerned with um, the Mavericks game uh, 
in some ways, but you know, with the Warriors mentality and all that, I, I feel like they could just brush this off and say that, you know, it's just one game, just keep on playing how we are playing and uh, move on from it because, you know, the Warriors has that finals experience and I believe with th that experience and with the players that they have now, they will win it in six. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Like, there's, there is no, I, I don't want to say there's no scenario. I can actually see the Celtics doing this again. I don't see it happen. I don't see it being likely that they shoot 51% from three again. 21 of 41 from, from three. Like, Derek White hitting five. Like, Al Horford, Mr. Can't, like, cannot physically miss from three all of a sudden. Six for eight from three, nine for 12. Like, Jesus Christ. And then you have Peyton Pritchard, like, contributing. Marcus Smart, four for seven. Like, I I don't believe that is sustainable. Mm -hmm. And, like, the Warriors, like, their game plan during the Mavericks game or the Mavericks series was we're going to double-team Luka. And we're going to make uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. We're going to make Reggie Bullock. We're going to make Maxi Kleba beat us. And it worked. <laughs> they couldn't do shit. <laughs> they couldn't do shit uh, yeah. during that series because they couldn't hit enough threes, basically, uh, during that series to win it. But the Celtics might be a bit of a different animal because it's not just one guy that can hurt you. They have two elite shot creators in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Now, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did, did not have good games. Jalen Brown had, had a decent game, like by the end, because he had like a he had like a crazy fourth quarter run. I think he could score like ten or twelve points in the fourth, but like before that, he was like six of nineteen. Like he was not playing well at all. So like the Celtics' game plan, I or the Warriors' game plan, if it if it is just to make uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown work for it, that worked because they did not have great games. Yeah. And, but they are leaving like these guys open, like open for three. Yeah, I remember in the first half, I thought, man, Jason Tatum's not getting any love from the refs, or even you know, uh, hitting any shots. And I thought that's like the deal breaker. But they they really had that supporting cast out there hitting those threes and hitting those key shots that um, the Warriors didn't really need to defend against. But I mean. Sadly, they were hitting them shots like fire. So, yeah, I really thought the Warriors would have came back in the second half. But well, the yeah. thing is, they they led for much of the game, and it yeah, wasn't up until much. that barrage. Like the Celtics really couldn't get going. They, however, I will say they kept it close. Like this is a these are some tough sons of bitches that that are on the Celtics. Like they just came through. They just came through. You know, sweeping the Kevin Durant nets. They managed to outlast the physicality of Giannis and they managed to outlast the physicality of Jimmy Butler. Like this is a, this is like a team that's been through the ringer. Now, of course, like yeah, those are some grueling series that they came through. Do they just break apart now? Like it, like it's that's at some point something's got to give, but like these are, they've been through shit and this ain't nothing new to them. Like you can see, look at it that way. But like, if I were if I were just a betting man, I would think that the Warriors come back strong next game because, like, for the most part, they had a really good game. For the most mm. part, like nothing truly out of the ordinary. Like Steph went crazy in the first in the first quarter, but really couldn't get it going for the rest of the game. And like Draymond had one of his worst shooting games, missed so many layups. Like, 
And then, you know, Clay, Jordan Poole had a really bad game, only two of seven and one for five from three. Like, and the, and also, like, I, I would say, like, if they could somehow cut down on the turnovers, like, that'd be great. 14 turnovers. And but if they could just cut that down to, like, say, eight, like, they're in a good, they're in good shape, but, you know, they're, they're a turnover prone team. On the Celtics side, I will say, Jason Tatum, I don't think we'll have a three for 17 game again. Right, mm-hmm. he had some wide ass open looks. Like I, I remember, kept, I remember I kept saying like this motherfucker could not miss from three, like in the playoffs. Like no matter what, he was missing open looks, and he probably plays a little bit better. But I don't see Al Horford going six for eight from three. I don't. I am. I see Marcus Smart going two for ten at some point, or one for ten from three. Yeah. J- Jalen Brown is going to do what Jalen Brown does. That he's proven that. But it's the role players that I feel won't be coming through, especially on three as much next game. Derek White, I don't think is going five for eight again. <laughs> I, I just remember looking at him. He had one crazy ridiculous three, on, like right over Steph. Like right when the game, I think was a three point game and it pushed it to six. And that was the dagger basically. And so I think, I think things will balance out. Now, do I think they'll win in five? I still think there's a possibility. I think they will. I wouldn't put money on it. Like, it, if the Warriors lose the next game, uh... it'll be a little more tough. But odds are, I still think the Warriors can, uh, you know, get. I mean, dig, dig themselves out of this hole, and you know, I mean, it's only the first game, really. It's yes. only the first game. That is very true. Like, just never, like, never overreact to a first game. Like, remember uh, Iverson, Iverson, two thousand and one. Right? They didn't mm. win a, they didn't win a game after that. Yeah. It, it was just so. I, not, not to say like the, the Celtics are any like they're they're way better than that Iverson team. Um, but like, it's never you don't want to overreact. But like, there is a universe where I do see like the the Warriors dropping the next game, and that and that might be where like the cracks start to show. But I'll say this: like maybe one of the greatest scenarios. We always talk about the Warriors blowing that three-one lead, and like I I was hoping for 2019 to be where, you know, the the narrative of the three-one coming full circle where they went down three-one and. Had Clay Thompson not gotten hurt, had KD not gotten hurt, they might have come back. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the maybe the Warriors go down three one. Maybe it's time for it to you know come full circle, possibly for them to win it in Game Seven. That would be kind of my dream scenario. Yeah, and another dream scenario is uh, Steph Curry finally winning Finals MVP. Like he should have won in 2015. Like I almost don't count that one. Honestly, I like I just I just almost like just almost blocked it out of my mind and just say, oh no, he no he won it in 2013. So, totally <laughs> or tw- no 2013, 2015. 2015, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, someday I I still feel like he he still has years in them to you know win that, and you know with this Warriors team, they're definitely gonna come back multiple more times before he retires. Yeah, and I real, but I will say, like, just for I guess to be, to be objective, and to be, you know, quite frank, the Warriors should not win the series because they should they should have traded Kaminga for Harrison Barnes. They should have, because they need <laughs> they needed vets 
Like it in the NBA, you are not supposed to be able to play young guys. Granted, they didn't play the young guys this game. They only played pool. You're not supposed to be able to play young guys and be able to win. They're doing both. And maybe at some point, maybe it's now, it's finally coming, gonna come back to bite them. Again, had you know, if you wanted to win a championship, like you might have like, you know, kicked the tires on a Bradley Beal trade. You might have kicked the tires again on a Harrison Barnes trade instead of rolling with a bunch of young guys and a young guy that's not playing for you. So like, you know, by the will of the basketball gods, maybe this is just how it's gonna be. You have a bunch of young guys as opposed to a bunch of established veterans. Like that's how you were supposed to be able to win championships. You needed vets in their primes. Like again, a Harrison Barnes who is 29, I think turning 30 soon, or I think he just turned 30. I don't remember, but the, the, my point is, you're not supposed you're not supposed to be able to young with young guys on your roster who are playing rotational minutes, and maybe this is where it starts to haunt the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Hey, who knows? They're good. They could be the first team to break that barrier, <laughs> to you know both <laughs> develop and win at the same time. But as 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 we have said, like this, we still believe in the Warriors, and we believe they will come back strong next game, and then you know. It might be a series. Oh, it's yeah. already a series now since, you know, Celtics won. But again, I don't think they'll be this hot from three again. They might. They they have done this before in the playoffs. So they just might. But I feel like the, the Warriors now know what to expect. They have the finals experience, as you said. And they are going to come back strong. Oh, yeah. And we shall see on Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I hope I don't miss that game. I might have something going on. I'll have to see. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of missed this game. Like, I only watched parts of the first half and, uh, well, that fourth quarter, so. <laughs> you call yourself a Warriors fan. Well, this isn't a Warriors podcast. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Pool Party. Uh, Mr. Go go to go to Warriors game. Afford to be able to go to Warriors games. <laughs> I only went to one. <laughs> That's a lot of money. This, I, this I, is... I couldn't go to one. I, you think I don't want to go? This was Roracle too against Denver, and that was the game where uh, they played against um, Denver. Uh, Denver lost, and we uh, and we, the Sacramento Kings, hit the eighth seed. <laughs> Look, I, I I have kind of resigned to the fact I will never, pro- I'll probably never see Steph live. I'll never be able to see LeBron live. You invited me to actually see LeBron once, and I had to cancel. And that was probably my only chance to ever see LeBron. I'm not going to a fucking Lakers game expensive ass tickets for like nosebleed seats yeah <laughs> well maybe someday in the future yeah okay well uh that's all i have on my notes oh no i do have one more thing uh luke walton has been hired as an assistant coach for the Cavs under jd bickerstaff uh you know happy for luke like you know a, a lot of kings fans shitted on this and you know just say like it was an l Look, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be out here saying like Luke was a great coach. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. You could argue he wasn't even a good one. I would argue against him being a bad coach. I think he was dealt a weird hand and he did the best he could, and it was just a raw deal. And yeah, I think he deserves a second chance. Yeah, I'm pretty sure someday he'll, you know, find a place in the NBA as a head coach somewhere. Uh I mean going for the Cavs get that experience up I guess uh, I mean he's been already head coaches like what, what I guess you could technically say with three separate teams 
Um, well, two. The Lakers. Two. Yeah. Lakers I'll, and the Kings. I don't think there was another one. I mean, if, well, he was like he was kind of head coach for the Warriors, kind of. Yeah, that's I, that's why I said maybe three. I think he went twenty-four and one, if I remember right, something <laughs> well, like that. That was a crazy Warriors team. So. <laughs> oh, oh, you you sure it wasn't Luke who did that? You sure it wasn't <laughs> Steph and you know the the best of the Warriors? Yeah. <laughs> who knows. <laughs> But yeah, again, I don't, I don't think he's a bad coach, and I think he deserves a second chance. Like King's Twitter is just—I don't know what it is with them. There, there's a that, like I've never seen it like that uniform of hatred for someone who really, let's be honest, never really had a chance here ever. No, yeah, but who knows? We should just look towards the future and. Uh... Not think about the past now. I'm actually surprised he didn't just join the Warriors because they're going to lose Mike Brown. There's a very good chance they might lose Kenny Atkinson because apparently he's a head runner or like one of the one of the yeah one of the front runners for the uh, Charlotte job right now. So well, that that was interesting. Yeah, that's true. I wonder. Well, you I mean, know, you know what would be really funny? What's that? If, if Mark Jack or if Mark Jackson joins as an assistant coach for the Warriors, oh, that would be pretty funny. There is a world that that could happen. There is that kind of world. Look, Steph, Draymond, and Andre—they love—they love Mark Jackson. Yeah, politics aside, <laughs> players do love him, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, for, for some reason, he would give up the commentating job for. Uh, you know the Warriors' position as an assistant, but I don't know. I feel like uh, the Warriors are good enough to you know find their own assistants one way or another through you know their many connections. Well, you know, you might want to like take a, kick the tires on Quinn Snyder. Quinn mm-hmm. Snyder might be out, might be out of Utah soon. He ain't. You don't want to deal with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell again. Hmm. I, I would be. Hmm. You think he would uh, take an assistant job, though? I, I would expect him to take a head coaching job elsewhere. Look, I look. I learned this from Sean Ross Sapp of like wrestling. You never know a person's intentions. Hmm. You, you just don't. Like Quinn's been through a lot in the past few years. Maybe yeah. just like I need a break, but I still want to be around basketball. Hell, I maybe see. maybe he just wants a break. Maybe he just will just take the year off. Maybe uh-huh. he saw the Kings opening. He's like, nah. <laughs> he saw the Lakers. I'm like, nah. I no, I don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah. Just gonna, just gonna chill for 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 a year and then come back. Mm-hmm. Nah, I see. Yeah, he's been with Utah for oh, geez. It's it's been years. <laughs> it's been many years. It's a lot of Rudy Gobert and a lot of uh, Donovan Mitchell. So, you know. yeah. I, I want to say he was there since Rudy came. Uh, I want to say that, but I can't. I I'm pretty know. sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was there for the start of Rudy. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's that for a while. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now that that's enough talk for now. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Not that I know of. Well, if that's the case, uh, let's call this uh, an episode. Uh, sorry if you guys were looking for draft analysis. I just didn't feel like doing draft analysis. Um, we might come back with one next episode, but um, we don't actually have a plan for next episode yet, so we'll see. Uh, as it stands right now, thank you guys for listening to this uh, episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll catch you guys back on the next one. Yeah, and we'll see you guys later. <laughs>